0: You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org.
1: to the Bay Area probably about 30-something years ago with my, my, with my two boys. You know, I was out here a single parent. And so I was in California from Kentucky, a single parent. But I think that that walk alone is what grew my faith. I came out very shy and had no idea what was going to lie ahead for me. And I just felt like this is not gonna work for me. But I thought I was gonna come out to California and have this big life and it wasn't happening, right? But I had too much pride to say I'm gonna go back home cause I'm gonna make it. My, my very, 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 very best friend passed away about, um, maybe six years ago now. She was not a Christian. She knew the services that I went to, whatever. But I knew she was never at the moment to receive it. So I waited and waited. We went shopping together. There's nothing that we did not do together, right? And then at the end, at the end, maybe the last month before she passed, we had a lot of conversations and even about heaven and hell and how her and how she was experiencing something at that moment that she didn't understand and i had the opportunity to walk her through that we're always so excited about let me tell you about the lord let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you but we have to also be willing to listen to the other person and so whether we agree or disagree we're not there to debate scripture we're there to find out more about each other you know i think that in the this christian walk we all share You know, one plant's a seed, another water's a seed, another water's a seed, and then God shows up.
0: What's up, Crossroads? How you guys doing? All right. Like Brian said, my name is Kevin Weston. I'm the creative director out at Parkview. I've been there for 12 years I'm married to a beautiful woman named Sarah. I have two lovely girls named Rylan and Adeline, and I'm excited to be here. I've actually known your pastor, Brian Hunt, and his wife, Shereen, they're kids for a really long time. And I met Brian around the time when I met my wife. And at that time, uh, he he looked, you know, a little, he had a little more, um, nah, just kidding. He didn't have any more hair. He looks exactly the same as he does right now. But me, I looked a little different, okay? I had, um, I didn't have any of this. I just had this thing right here. You guys remember what that's called? Yeah, the soul patch. Yeah, I had the soul patch. I was very proud of my soul patch. And uh, I was proud until I found out after having met my then girlfriend, now wife, Sarah's grandmother at a family party that there was some conversation about me after I left. And it went something like this. Uh, grandma says, you know, I, Sarah, I really like him. He's, he's a very nice young man and uh, yeah, very polite and all of that. But um, d- d- this thing, doesn't he know that that's not cool anymore? That was like 10 years ago. Now, when your girlfriend's grandmother starts offering you fashion advice and personal presentation critique, you know that maybe you've let things slip a little bit. And uh, if you still have a soul patch to this day, God bless you in your soul patch. Just don't come to Chicago and show my wife's grandmother. She will criticize you. But here I am, a little more patchy, a little more gray, and this is what you get. So I've spent the week with your church, and uh, I have to say, and I really mean this from the bottom of my heart, I love your church. Your staff, your volunteers that I've gotten to spend some time with, have conversations with, this is a great Church. So if you're new here, like first day, you need to know this is a really good place, right? You can clap for your church. And so we've been here at Crossroads in a series called Conversations, like Brian mentioned. And we're really just exploring this idea of how to make connections with other people for Jesus. And this is where that TALK acronym comes in that was introduced last week. And uh, if you weren't here or if you were, let me give you a refresh on this. The T in TALK is think about your one. And we'll talk about the one in a minute. And then we have A for ask questions. L, lean into your story. K, keep Jesus involved. Last week was all about that that one. Did you, for those of you who were here and caught the message, did you leave with a sense of who that was in your life, who your one was? Well, I don't want you to lose sight of that person because we're going to build on what we heard last week by opening up with one of my favorite things, asking questions. Now, What I have to say is, even if you weren't here last week, you could still get something out of this message because the one is just that person we want to make a connection with for Jesus. And today is about one of those things, asking questions. I love, love, love asking questions. Don't get me wrong. I love talking too. (laughs) Talking a lot. Talking when I should be listening, and my wife reminds me of this regularly. This is me. But I also love asking questions because a really good question can be super revealing and insightful, can it? I mean, I, however, have learned that there are right times and wrong times for questions. So before we dive into things today, I worked up a few points and I'd like for us to talk it through together because we're going to break this whole asking questions thing down into three qualifiers because we've all heard the old saying, it's not what you say, it's Right, 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 right. But I'm going to add a little bit more to it. So here's what we got. Number one, we have the why we ask. That's our intentions. That's our heart. That's our motive. Number two, the when we ask. That's our timing. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? And then finally, the how we say it. That's how we ask. That's our tone, our voice, our inflection. Now, my goal here is not to overcomplicate asking questions because I am super, super positive that you already knew this. This is not new information for any of you here today. All I want to do today is draw our attention back to some things we already know and help us to sharpen it a little bit. Does that sound good? Okay, well, if if it's not good, I'm going to do it anyway. So here we go. Because here's what I know. It's possible in this trifecta of things here to have a really good question that you ask at the wrong time and in the wrong way or to have a really good question that you ask at the right time but in the wrong way. So let's illustrate it a little bit, okay? I want you to think of a friend you have. It could be your one reference from last week, or just the first person who pops in your head. Maybe it's someone you're sitting next to right now. and You've seen each other several times in social situations, and it's been chill, and you've enjoyed hanging out. But now this friend wants to know more about your family. And family can be a sensitive topic, right? We all have a lot of different challenges in our families. We have a lot going on. So, a question like, How's your family? it could be taken several different ways. So, they ask you in a cheerfully inquisitive tone So, how's your family? Which is a fine question, right? There's nothing too crazy there. Except they decided to ask you while you were dancing the footloose at a wedding reception. You're like, hey, I like this song. Okay, I don't know how to dance to it, so I'm just going to kind of move, you know? And your friend comes up, and they're coming here, and you're like, you're like oh, hey. And they're like, well, how's your family? You're like, they're good. All right, cut the music No more Kenny Loggins. <laughs> What's your takeaway there? Other than this pastor doesn't know how to dance. The, the, the takeaway is that this person has no awareness of the right time. I mean, I'm happy they're interested in my life, but wow, bad timing. Do you see what happened there? The what, the why, the motive, the heart, it was lost in the wrong when. Let's try another one, all right? So, same wedding. You're standing alone, you're in line for a drink, you're about 10 people back from the bar, and your friend comes up to you and kind of sidles up and asks, "So, how's your family?" You're like, ah, uh, <laughs> there's, there's nowhere to go because you told your day you would get them a drink and now there's only nine people ahead of you. There's plenty of time to answer the question, but the way your friend asked it makes you feel kind of icky and you're just like, yeah, they're good. Don't ask me anything else. The what, the why, maybe it was good, you think. The when, it was not too bad. There was plenty of time to answer the question. But wow, the way they said it was so weird. You're not offering up any more personal information to this friend of yours. Because if the goal was to build a connection and learn more about somebody's family, we've essentially seen how one question asked the wrong way, executed poorly, can result in a broken connection. Can you hear me now? Remember those commercials? All because of one question! So if it's possible for one question to shut down a connection, is it possible for one question to open up the road to making a connection. And we all want to make a connection with somebody at some time. And I can already sort of feel from some of you in the room, you got your arms crossed and you're like, oh my gosh, it's about talking to people, chatting. I'm not a chatty person. I'm not asking people questions. This is not for me. Oh, it's absolutely for you. And if we need to put it in Parks and Rec terms, I don't care if you're a Leslie Nope or a Ron Mustache Swanson. This message is for you because we can all find a way to engage with others through asking questions. And apart from teaching from Scripture, because this is the church and it's the Bible and it's the Word of God and we use that here, you would be hard-pressed to find a person in history who had more right-time, right-question combos than Jesus. So let's go WWJAD on it, all right? Let's go back to the wedding. What would Jesus have done at the wedding? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure Jesus would not step all over footloose just to ask this well-intentioned, poorly timed question. No way. Jesus was the master at asking the right question at the right time and with the right tone. There are questions that Jesus asked people that have shaped our view of the Christian faith of redemption, And given us a model, not just for how to tell people stuff about Jesus, about what we believe, but to connect. So we're going to look at two different situations where Jesus asked a question and we'll see what we can get from it. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that right now. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, go ahead and grab that. And if you don't have it yet, you can download it. It takes like two seconds and you can join us today as we go into the book of John. So go ahead and get that prepped and turn there. And while you do that, if you're online, we just want to give you a shout out. As we go through our time today, you may even have questions that pop up about the Bible, about Crossroads. And we just want to remind you there are chat hosts ready to connect with you. So reach out, all right, as we dive in. John 4. This is talking about Jesus. It says, so now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This question from Jesus launches a really cool interaction with this woman. And and there's no way we have time today to work through all of that. So I would just encourage you, just bookmark John 4 in your app. You can flag it or your Bible. Just stick a piece of paper in there. Go back later and read all about what happens in John 4. But I'm going to give you the end of the story right here. So check this out. Many of the Samaritans came from that town, uh, from that town, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, <clears throat> Excuse me, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. One question. To the woman at the well, he said this, Will you give me a drink? It's a good thought, isn't it? I mean, even though we know that Jesus is always looking to make a connection with people, he doesn't ask a deep one. It's a super, really basic, practical question. Will you give me a drink? That's, that's his heart, to keep it simple with people. Uh, what about the when? How did he do? Well, it was good timing, right? Because Jesus and the woman were already at the well. He wasn't in town and asked for a drink that the woman would presumably have to go back and get for him and then bring it back. And then they could chat. She was already drawing the water, and he asked, will you give me a drink? And How? His tone. Now we have to read this into the text a little bit, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume that Jesus didn't just strut up to the well and say, Hey, you give me a drink? How do we know this? We know this because she engages with him, she responds. This is the turning point in the interaction because up until she responds, that conversation between the two of them is no different than conversations they both had with other people before. This is nothing new. But it all comes together here in how she responds. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus is busting up some cultural barriers here with very great intention. It wasn't just for her. It was for us to see too. Because Jesus crossed a conventional cultural boundary to make a connection. And I love how smooth Jesus is when he does this. It's in sharp contrast to how clunky we are as communicators, right? If we feel strongly about something, we wanna make something happen, what do we do? We get on Facebook and we rant. We tell people what we think. Or we wear a T-shirt or we get a sticker or we get in debates at family parties. You know what I think about this and blah, 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 blah. That's what we do. Jesus, he just sits right down. And on a personal level does the modern equivalent of, wanna grab a drink? Is there someone in your life you need to ask this kind of question? Is there someone who, if given the offer by you to just have a drink, would just open up? No doubt, there are people in our lives who we have regular contact with, and they are just waiting for us to say, hey, want to grab a drink? As we go through today, I'm hoping you can keep your sights set on that person. And like I said, I can't go into the rest of the story right now because that's a few messages right there on its own. But this question sent a ripple effect, not only through this woman's life, but through the lives of everybody who heard the story and even into our lives today. So if want to grab a drink is the most basic, this next one is going to have us all leveling up. Because Jesus starts this whole thing by having a conversation at the water cooler, basically, and the next one is actually out near the pool, but not like a backyard one, so check this out. In John 5, we're gonna read. In, in a little context before I, I start, Jesus is going into Jerusalem, and he's in, near an area called the Sheep Gate, and there's a pool there where people kind of would bathe and, and go in, and, and in Aramaic, this name of this pool was Bethesda in the meaning of that name, and I find this super interesting, depending on how it's interpreted, is either place of grace or a place of disgrace. Super interesting to me. All right, let's read. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and had learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. To the man who couldn't walk, Jesus asked one question. Do you want to get well? Now, a cultural clarification here. You're like, the pool, what's the significance of the pool? Here's the deal. When the water was stirred in this pool, people believed they would experience miraculous healing. It was this really curious superstition that they had. The Bible is not endorsing it. It's just reporting on it here in John 5. But it does help paint the picture, doesn't it? Many, many people who are unable to contribute to the community, all clamoring for the chance to just get in the waters, to get healing. You can see it, right? And then Jesus just walks in. What's his question? Do you want to get well? Why? Because Jesus had compassion on the man. And the question showed it. I mean, what if Jesus had just asked him, I can see you've been here for a long time. Why haven't you made more of an effort to... Get in there and be healed. Jesus didn't tell the man, I mean, talk about timing, right? Jesus didn't tell the man, well, if you could get a ride over to our Wednesday prayer meeting, we got some great people there. We do worship songs. You like singing songs, right? Oh, and Sheila, oh, Sheila, she does the best prayers. Sheila will pray for you. No, because the man's right there in his place is suffering. And boom, question in his tone, how he did it. This one's pretty gut-wrenching. I mean, of course, the man wants to get well. Why would he sit there that long if he didn't want to get well? But it's revealed through this question that the man not only has a physical challenge, but an emotional and spiritual challenge as well. He's getting passed over. He's getting lost in the shuffle of the people. And Jesus picks this person out. And instead of affirming his struggle, oh, wow, that must be really hard for you. The people, they've done wrong by you. Jesus moves right past that, right into action. His question about physical well-being worked on a spiritual level as well. Now, I need to say this right now, in case it's not clear. Our leading question in conversation is never, do you want to get well? That's not the point of the story. But like you, I've got some suffering people in my life who not only need to be well, but moreover, they need to know that they are seen. Jesus had the power to do both things. But the real takeaway for me here isn't the physical miracle. It's the fact that Jesus took time to notice this one man. Don't you think he could have just shouted a miracle over the whole group, exerted his power? Wouldn't it have been more compassionate to just heal everybody? But Jesus is demonstrating for us that we can't deal out compassion in bulk. It's one to one. Is there someone in your life you need to ask this kind of question that needs your reach of compassion, your noticing of them? You ever been in a crowd, mostly unfamiliar people? I'm not talking like current day crowd, like like a pre-COVID crowd, like a real old school, shoulder to shoulder, packed in a place kind of crowd. And all of a sudden, somebody says your name and you're like, oh, hey, 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 what's up? In the midst of all the strangers, that's the feeling that Jesus gives this man right there. Who in your life needs that reach of compassion through a simple, question. In our fame-fixed culture, our drive to get attention and engagement on the things that we do, even with all of that, it's still our one-to-one, relatively unseen moments that define our lives. Jesus makes that moment for this woman in John 4, and he does it again in John 5. And so often we, we think about people being remembered for the great statements they make. But, but what about the great questions they ask? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. A few good men, right? Anybody? No? Nicholson? Okay. Well, let's play a few more and maybe you can do better on this, on this next one. I'm going to give you a movie quote and then you just fire away, just shout it out You know, if you know what the name of the movie is. And if you're online, you could shout, we won't hear you, so just type it in the chat and you can participate, okay? Here we go. Number 1. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Anyone Star Wars? Okay, yeah, very good. Princess Leia, there she is. There she is, Princess Leia. All right, let's see if you can do better with this one. Here it is. You got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, <laughs> Do you, punk? Dirty Harry, that's right. Yeah, Brian told me, put a Dirty Harry thing in there. They'll love it. They are Dirty Harry people. Some of you don't want to admit that you just watched that movie. So. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, my favorite one. Wait, don't, don't put it up there yet. I'm going to, here we go. Who are you going to call? There we go. That was a softball right there. Nice job. So I don't know uh, about you, but I doubt that any of my questions are going to be legendary like those questions are but questions are not, I'd like to be remembered from making connections with others. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I had my one in mind. And I'm going to just lay it on the line here and be real honest with you if I can do that. Because a few years ago, I, I moved into a new neighborhood, and I was resolved to make some good connections with my neighbors. And one of the first guys I met was a man named Ash. And he had young kids just like me. And I remember at the time I was determined to share my faith with him. I was gonna be direct, but I was gonna be loving. And I was gonna work on this guy. You ever heard Christians say something like that? I'm working on this person. Listen, people, I became quickly confronted with the fact that he's not my project. You can't be a project in a friend. At some point, one of those things is going to take over and your heart will be revealed. These people that Jesus encountered were not his projects. Jesus simply opened the door with a good question and allowed the other person to walk through freely and set the direction for the conversation. And so as we look at these situations in John 4 and in John 5, I see a few things start to take shape. And and here's one of them. Maybe, Maybe you see this too. Ordinary questions can lead to extraordinary breakthroughs. Jesus didn't ask any of these people, how can I pray for you? How's your soul? Don't you think he found that out pretty quickly? In each one of these instances, Jesus asked a regular question and it went somewhere really interesting. To the woman at the well, will you give me a drink? It leads to a revelation about Jesus and about her own purpose. To the man by the pool, do you want to get well? Leads to his physical healing and to spiritual healing. Jesus brought the how, the why, the when, it all came together in a way that relieved pressure on people versus adding it. Because ordinary questions can lead to extraordinary breakthroughs. It reminds me of one of my uncles. We got any uncles out here in the house? Put your hand up if you're an uncle. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be an uncle. I love being an uncle because being an uncle means a few things. Number one, that I can do all the wild and ridiculous things I would do with my own kids, but with no consequences. That's uncle life. And growing up in the Midwest, we would get together on Thanksgiving, and before dinner, we would toss the football around the yard. And I got this one uncle who would always show up with a regulation size fully inflated, took no pointers from Tom Brady NFL-scale football, and this dude had an arm! So here I am, 10 years old, with my little cousins, freezing our buns off outside, and I got my uncle, like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, remember him? Throw this pigskin a quarter mile over that mountain. He just whips the ball at us in a power move, and it wasn't fun! Not at all! It hurt! Sure, he was playing with us, but he was missing the point of it. Playing catch wasn't about throwing the ball at someone. It was about making a connection. And I'm not saying he had to ask us 10-year-olds deep life questions. I'm just saying he could have played with us so that we wanted to play again. That's making a connection. Look at how Jesus does it, though. So the woman at the well, can I have a drink? She says... Sure, here's your water. No more dialogue. You you think Jesus would have said, go long. No, he didn't do that. I mean, to the man by the pool. You want to get well? Dude's like, nah. Jesus is like, okay, well, see ya. (laughs) I <laughs> mean, no, I mean, if the greatest goal is to make a meaningful connection and Jesus let each of these people set the tone for how it was going to go, then Jesus is playing the equivalent of spiritual backyard catch with the people he met. For those who wanted to play close, he took it easy. For those who said go long, he went there. And that's the mode, that's the headspace that he calls us to as we interact with other people. So let me ask you this, Crossroads. Do you want your one to know who you are or what you know? In the context of your faith, do you want your one to know who Jesus is to you or stuff you know about Jesus and about the Bible and Christian things? Because here's the other thing we see from Jesus' life. We choose whether they get to know what we know or get to know us. We decide the tone, the timing, the manner of what our questions lead to. I had a professor once in college and they said, at the first day, said, does anybody have any questions? And I thought I was being cute and I said, what are your credentials? Now, Those of you who giggled are obviously aware that that's the last thing a professor wants to be asked on the first day of class. I decided exactly how that semester was going to go for me in saying that one question. Because if our goal is to ask a question just so we get to tell people what we think about them or what they're talking about, then, I mean, that's really easy to do, isn't it? It's really easy to play that game. We watch some YouTube videos. We listen to some podcasts. I listened to the podcast recently. Did you catch that? No. We read a book. And all of a sudden, with all this knowledge, we're subject matter experts, and we're ready to just start firing away. And we may ask ourselves, find ourselves asking other people baited questions with the purpose of saying, gotcha, let me tell you what I think. If our questions just exist to tell other people what we think, we've proven what matters most. Sharing our own thoughts. All right, yeah, we can give it up for that. Because for those of you today who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then it would follow that he's the smartest person who ever lived, right? I mean I know Solomon's wise but just let's lock onto this. Jesus is the smartest person ever. There is nobody smarter than Jesus. There is no one more in tune with the way that humans are wired with what could make them better than Jesus. And with all of that knowledge, did he ever 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 pull a Well, do you know what the Bible says? Or well, if you look at the facts. Or well, statistically and historically speaking. Da, 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 da. No. No. Because Jesus puts the relationship first instead of driving a wedge between himself and other people but let's be honest is that how you play catch show up to toss the football with some kids and they want to go nerf and you're going to give them the arm cannon throw show them what you know and how hard you can throw can you adjust your throw for the audience because if you and I are going to be successful at building connections with other people who don't act and think like us, we're going to have to ask ourselves, do I, want to know, do I want them to know what I know or do I want them to know me? And if they get to know me, will they get to know Jesus? Or if they get to know everything I know, will they get to know Jesus? And so we go around, especially, especially now in this time and age we live in, asking each other questions with the pressure for the right answer. There has not been a time in recent history, uh, maybe you agree with this, where there's more pressure on the right answer. And as we become more and more polarized, the stakes get higher and higher and higher on the right question and the right answer. What do you think of this leader? What do you think of this movement? What network? What way to roll the toilet paper? These are the questions that divide us. So instead of taking our cues from Jesus on how to have Q&A with people, we take all the world experience, our right-wrong paradigm, our political lens, and we bring all of that into our faith and how we interact with people. Which brings us to the third and possibly most important thing we see from the life of Jesus, and that's this. Proving our love is more important than proving our point. One more time. Proving our love is more important than proving our point. But that could be hard because we got this. We got a book and it tells us all the answers. Does Jesus ever throw the book at these people? No way. Couldn't he, though? Couldn't he have just fired away some opinions and dropped a bunch of truth on them about what their presenting issues were? I mean, take a look, right? I mean, the woman at the well. She talks about Jews, Samaritans, cultural things, and he goes, well, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans have a pretty big history, and it's pretty complicated, so if you really want to get into this whole thing, we could talk about cultural divides, but no. The man at the pool, your excuse is flimsy. You could have absolutely tried harder to get into the water, and I'm not even sure you really want to get well. You say you do, but if you were really serious about it, you would have done something already. You know what? I'm not even sure you're worth a miracle. Is that Jesus? Is that your Jesus? We need to be careful, friends, that our opinions don't create division. Because pushing our opinions is never greater than causing division. And notice, I did not say, because I can already hear what you're thinking. I didn't say, be careful your opinions don't challenge other people. As if the goal was just to agree with everybody. Don't rock the boat, just be nice. No, 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 that is not it at all. Jesus was kind, he was loving, he was compassionate, but he wasn't nice. But you'll see in scripture that when Jesus drew a line, when he laid down a perspective for others, he did it mindfully. He didn't break his own code, he was thoughtful, he was well-timed, he was direct, all with the goal of helping others experience a personal breakthrough. Jesus dealt with people in a way, and and although he could have had all the pretense in the world, he just engaged with them exactly where they were. Don't you think he knew what their biggest problem was? Did he really have to ask a question at all? Couldn't he have just walked around and unloaded ideas and perspectives on them and just blown their minds? But he didn't. Why? Because proving our love is more important than proving our point. So you may be hearing all of this, and you're like, yeah, I'm telling you, dude, that's hard, though. That's hard, because I got people in my life, you don't know the people I have in my life, and they are tough to get along with, and we don't agree. And I thought we agreed. And after last year and this year, I'm not sure we even care about the same things anymore or we believe the same things. And so you're just telling me to ask these simple questions. I don't know where that's all gonna go. Or you've got people in your life that you've already done this with. You were, you, they weren't your projects. You were trying to be friends. You were trying to be kind. You were trying to be loving. You were trying to be invitational, bring them into your life and your faith, to the church. And you're like, maybe it's not working. God of my present, God of my future, right, in worship. You write the story. You hold it all together. The God who makes every good thing grow is in this with you, my friends. And that's a good thing. And there's nowhere I have found that better illustrates that than the story I heard once about bamboo. Yes, bamboo. Because when Chinese, uh, Chinese bamboo is planted in the ground by farmers, it's like all these orchards around here. It gets planted. Dig a little hole, seed goes in the ground, water it, fertilize it, tend to the ground. And in the first year, most people would expect to see something coming up out of the ground. That's reasonable. But in the first year, there's nothing. There's no discernible difference in the soil Then when they started, they get to year two. Tending, watering, fertilizing. Is there anything? There's nothing. Starting to doubt, is anything gonna grow? Is it working, what we're doing? Get to year three, we surely see something by now. Watering, tending, fertilizing, nothing. Year four, watering, tending, fertilizing, nothing. Four years in, there's nothing positive. On year five, something will break through that ground, and you're right. Because in five weeks, it grows 90 feet. Does that not blow your mind? How many of us here today have been bamboo? Right? You've been bamboo, or you got some bamboo in your life you got some people in your life and you're like, oh, 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 I don't know if that's working. I'm trying. I'm tending. I'm watering. I'm fertilizing. I'm doing what pastor said and it's not making a difference. Maybe I should just give up. Maybe it won't ever work. And I want to encourage you today. If you're at that point, don't give up yet. Because it just might be that that person in your life and even you yourself are bamboo. And because what you can't see, which is happening under the ground, is this beautiful entangled arrangement of roots and a system that can one day support the kind of growth that will last and everyone will go, whoa, that's so cool. Do you remember what he was like? Do you remember what she was like? I remember what I was like. And so I want to give you that chance to start the process today because we could talk about all this stuff. You can come to church. You can show up and be like, that was good, and then go on your way. But I want to give you a chance right now. This is the tag you're it moment. I'm going to give you a minute here very soon to respond to this whole thing because here's what I know. This is all fine and good while we're in this room but then you go take this thing out into, your, into the car, back to work, at home. Students, as you're starting school this year, and you're like, I got a lot of people around me and I'm not sure I agree with anything about anybody. This is for that person. This is for the person in your life who you're like, I thought I knew you and I don't know you anymore. I don't think we share the same values. I don't even know how, how to be in your life. It's for that person. So we're gonna take a minute here and go through these lessons. Ordinary questions lead to extraordinary breakthroughs. We've seen it. We choose whether they get to know what we know or get to know us. And finally, if you take nothing else from today, proving our love is more important than proving our So I want you to lock in on that one right now, that one person. Maybe your heart's thumping because you're thinking, I really, I I gotta do something about that. Or or you maybe wrote that person off and you're like, God's bringing that person to your mind, this whole message. And you're like, I have to do something. And here it is right here. We're gonna put some prompts on the screen. We're gonna give you a chance to send a text message. So right now, wherever you're at, get your phone out. It's okay. Yeah, go ahead, shuffle around. If it's in your purse or in your pocket or whatever, go ahead and get your phone out because I'm gonna give you a chance to send a message to one person in your life who you have not connected with recently, or maybe it's that one you thought about last week. And I'm gonna give you some really basic questions you can ask or you can pick your own. That's okay. And all I want you to do today, all this is, is start a game of catch with one person. You don't have to be a long-time crossroads person to do this. You don't have to be a big techie texting person. That doesn't matter. You don't even have to be a Christian to do this. You don't have to agree with this faith. This is for everybody. Take a moment now. Send that text, that DM, that message on Facebook. Get a pigeon. I don't care. But start the game of catch right now, and I'll come back and close this up. Take a minute, All right. have just tossed the ball and it's not coming back. And that's okay. If you're a Christ follower, you say a prayer for that person and you be reminded that they are God's child and it's not about you. You may have just tossed the ball and you just gave somebody a black eye and that's okay too. Just grab an ice pack, make it right and try to aim better next time because it's not about you. And you may toss them the ball (laughs) and you may get way more than you ever planned on. And that's okay too because you don't have to answer every question. You don't have to have everything figured out. All you need is to just answer for how you're gonna toss it next. It's a beautiful thing, right? Stand, let me close out and I'll pray for you. God, I thank you that you have shown us through your word that an ordinary question can lead to an extraordinary breakthrough, that the thing that you care most about is getting us, for us to know you, not just knowing what you know, and that proving your love for us, Jesus, we are so thankful that that was more than important to you than proving the point. And the point, after all, is love, isn't it? So God, would you help these little seeds that were planted these questions that were asked these messages that right now might even be just digital garble floating through the air over a satellite down to somebody's phone and straight into their heart we trust that you will help that to grow God you grow good things would you grow something good out of this bamboo that was planted today help us to just stay in the game keep playing catch thank you for this church thank you for these people Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Crossroads, thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.